morning, everyone, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I don't think I can adequately put into words how excited I am about tonight's show because I've got three of my all-time favorites going to join me tonight, and that is in Top 100 Instructor Eric Johnson, Champions Tour Pro Bob Friend Jr., and one of the greatest caddies of all time, and Russ Holden, who you know uh, from uh, from Caddy for a Cure, which we are uh, proud to be partnering with Russ in that organization, and you hear me talking about it every single week here on Next on the T. and uh, I'll talk more about all three of those guys here in a moment. And folks, as you know, We've, uh, over the last few weeks, right, we've been counting it down to the Masters. A week from today, my son and I are going to be walking those grounds uh, for the Monday practice round, and which is one of my favorite days of the year. The forecast looking way better than it was a week ago. So the Monday forecast over in Augusta right now looks oh, really perfect. Partly cloudy, high of 81. Last year, we got rained out, and unfortunately, moments before we were supposed to uh, have a conversation with Gary Player under the oak tree there behind the clubhouse. So please, God, no rain this year. And, and we're also praying for no rain for Wednesday because our good friends Matthew and Mitchell Lawrence are going to be over there for the Par 3 contest on Wednesday. Matthew has never been to Augusta National, so we don't want it to rain on his day either, or really any day next week, right? Because you know, for everybody who gets the opportunity to be there and on those grounds, it's probably the most special day of the year for them too. So prayers up, right? Uh, no, Don't let it rain, God, next week at all. Can't, you know, we don't want it to get canceled for anybody. All right, folks, before we get started tonight, and the aforementioned uh, Matthew and Mitchell Lawrence, be, sh- be sure to check out Matthew's show, Backspin Golf which airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. It's my regular Sunday, 8.03 a.m. Uh, tea time. It's broadcast on ESPN Radio AM 1300 WLXG up in Lexington, Kentucky. You can stream it live by going online to WLXG.com or by downloading the WLXG app. His four-minute older brother, Mitchell, also has a great golf show that marries golf and travel. It's called Talking Golf Getaways, which you can find on golfnewsnet.com or over on Audioboom. He and his partner, Darren Bunch, travel all over the world and let you know great places to play, stay, and where to eat while you're there as well. It's a fantastic show. Again, it's called Talking Golf Getaways, and it's available on golfnewsnet.com and over on Audioboom as well. Getting back to my guest tonight, and first up with me, like I say, is Top 100 Instructor Eric Johnson. And for my money, you could lop off the two zeros and just say the Top Golf Instructor is Eric Johnson. He's been a fantastic uh, guest with me on the show over the years. The energy and enthusiasm he always brings is great. I'm going to get Eric's thoughts on the Masters. We'll look ahead to that. We'll talk about Tiger's comeback. also want to get Eric's thoughts on the ball controversy, right? You know, Should we have bifurcation? Is that a thing? Should we have two different golf? balls you know i'm sort of torn on that it should be you know you would think it's a game that should be the same rules for everybody but then you watch over the weekend and you see you know guys like dustin johnson drive at 480 yards right and you, and you see guys regularly driving it out there where the par fives are now driver pitching wedge we saw that from rory mcelroy 
at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So you start to really start to scratch your head and, and really start to think that's not the way the game was intended to be played. So maybe there is an argument for bifurcation. I'll see what Eric thinks when he comes uh, on here. He'll be with me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from another great player out on the Champions Tour, and that's Bob Friend Jr. This is going to be Bob's 10th visit with me on the show. It's Eric's 11th, so maybe we're doing something right here on the show. We'll hear uh, what events Bob has uh, you know, on his calendar for this year. Also get his thoughts on whether the same thing. Should we have two sets of golf balls? He's out there playing on tour, so he should be uh, someone who should be able to weigh in on that, whether it's the right thing to do or not. So we'll talk about that. Also want to get Bob's memories from the 1999 Arnold Palmer Invitational when he was paired with Seve Ballesteros and Mr. Palmer for the first two rounds of that tournament. I want to hear those memories. Bob will be along with me a little bit later on in this half hour. Then I'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from Russ Holden. And Russ, like I say, is, uh, you know, the founder of Caddy for a Cure. They've got a wonderful event coming up to kick off Masters Week over in Augusta. We'll talk about that. They also have an amazing list of players that you can bid on to be their Caddy for, for Caddy for a Cure. 100% of the proceeds from whatever you bid goes to helping our wounded service veterans and to support Fanconi anemia. You hear me talking about that, like I say, every week here at the top of the show. You'll hear it again. And just a few moments. Russ has uh, also got uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau currently up for auction over at Caddy for a Cure, and you'll be you could uh, be his caddy over at the RBC Heritage Tournament the week following the Masters. So we'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about some of his memories. He was on the bag for Bernard Longer for many years over at Augusta National, so we'll hear some of those memories, and uh, we'll get that from Russ about 45 minutes from now. So, folks, more great stories coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. And as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they have going on this spring. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, be sure to go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place it is and to book your stay as well. And folks, you've heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last few months. It's the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make over on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club hub sensors on all of my clubs, and they screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the club hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the green, but after the round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole of the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review you around the way the Club Hub app does. It's available for Androids or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And again, no other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com to order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT 
and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. We're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. They are back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. You can now buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at a price your wallet's really going to appreciate. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844-534-6426 to learn more and order your set today. Please also check out the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their spring collection has arrived, and the shift in seasons is an opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. They've added some great details, fresh colors, new additions with genuine enduring character. They make style easy. Find carefully coordinated outfits in a variety of colors and options by going online to bobbyjones.com. And as I've been mentioning throughout the intro here, right, you know, we are partnering with Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to this amazing experience, you're going to receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, including Under Armour logo apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade Caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a 10-cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. They've got a spot, spot open right now to caddy for Bryson DeChambeau over at the RPC Heritage Tournament over in South Carolina right after the Masters. Go online to caddyforacure.com to learn more. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E.com to learn more. All right, now back in making his 11th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is Eric Johnson. Let me give you some background on Eric. He played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 1995. He helped them win back-to-back Kroger Intercollegiate titles in 1994 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He is a now a four-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year. He is all, he's also won the, the Horton Smith Award three times for his contributions to education. Eric played out on tour on the, on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour as well. He was the Director of Instruction at Oakmont Country Club for many years, and he is now the Director of Instruction at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort, which is an unbelievable resort, folks, in Farmington, Pennsylvania, which is just a little southeast of Pittsburgh near the West Virginia border. And as you can tell from the number of appearances that he's had, you know, he is by far one of my favorite people, and he's, uh, you know, just as much fun to talk to as anybody that I've ever had on the show, and I am honored that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, E, how are you, my friend? Chris, my man, I'm, I'm blushing, I, you know, I mean, I don't know how you do this, but I've said it before, you're the most prepared man in radio, and it, it is my honor to talk to you, buddy, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> I appreciate you, Eric. So, Eric, a four-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year. Congratulations, my friend, on number four. Thank you very much. You know, I, that one meant a lot to me. I, You know, that's the uh, most in our section history, and I don't know why that one hit me so hard. But, you know, for your peers to vote on you that many times and, 
and think you're doing something that's worthy of awards. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't do what I do to win awards, but you know, when someone recognizes it and you go, Hey, that's pretty cool. And I, I really appreciate my fellow tri-state PGA professionals for, uh, for voting for me. I really do. And, uh, you're going to be featured over the next couple of months, right? Golf magazine. Yeah. I'm in there this month in the master's issue under the short game edition. And, uh, you know, they, they gave me a nice little, uh, centerfold and, uh, you know, I'm on two pages there and, uh, it's about hitting high, high flop shots and bunker shots. And that leads out the segment for, uh, you know, for the short game edition, because as we know, probably the best short game is going to win at Augusta. I mean, you know, we talk about length, but you know, when you see what, uh, uh, Zach Johnson did and, you know, winning and, you know, birding 11 out of 16 par fives with a wedge and never going for one of them. So it can be done. But, uh, I think with the weather forecast, I think we're going to see a little different masters than that one, but, uh, you know, it, it can be done. Yeah. And I want to get into that in a minute, but I don't want to lose the thought of length, right? Cause I, I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts on the golf ball controversy. You know, we're, we're starting to regularly see guys, out on tour driving at 350 plus yards. Bubba Watson hit an iron that carried 320 and rolled out to 374 in the WGC, you know, event this past weekend. Dustin Johnson hit a driver 489 on a hole. So uh, your thoughts, Eric, do we need bifurcation? Do we need a different golf ball for the tour players before uh, we start making golf courses obsolete or like Augusta National having to buy up more land in order to stay out, you know, stay relevant on some of the holes? Well, I'm not sure you're going to like my answer, but yes, a hundred percent. And, you know, I mean, and I mean this with all due respect to Mr. Nicholas. I think he's, I think he's wrong on this one. You know, I mean, uh, my, my college golf coach and my swing coach used to always say, you know, rules were meant to be broken. And, and I believe that we don't put lead weights on swimmers. We don't put lead weights in, 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 you know, in the, you know, the shoes of runners. We, basketball hoops still 10 feet. Everyone dunks it now. We don't hear them saying, well, we should raise it to 14 feet. I mean, what do people love to see? You know, I mean, think about it. We don't deaden out baseballs. What, what do people love to see in the, they love to see the home run derby. They love to see people bomb it. They love to see people do things they can't do. And, and, and the amateurs, they're just not hit it far enough. So, you know, listen, the USGA has taken the grooves away. They've taken that anchor putter away. You know, some guy yips it and he, you know, has to stick it, the, the thing in his chest and, and yip it over there and still wants to play. God bless him. Let him do it. But don't keep hurting the amateurs. And now we're talking about rolling the golf ball back. The average amateur can't hit it 200 yards. Uh, you do whatever you want to the tour players. Now, the solution of that is higher rough and firm, fast greens, just like an open. But you know what? No tour player wants to see that. They don't like it. They don't enjoy it. That's why you'll never see it. And, you know, I listen, I've worked at Oakmont for all those years, 17 in total, and I love the the U.S. Open Championship, but um, it's probably my third that I like to watch. I mean, Masters number one, and, you know, it's my number one of, of all times. It's just there's something about it. It's special. It's the same. You get the feel. You know the holes. You know the roars. I mean, everything about it is tremendous. The British Open is, it's just weather. It's, uh, it's creation. You know, people are playing creative golf. 
And then the Open, you know, it's probably my third, maybe the fourth of PGA. I'm sure my, you know, PGA professionals don't like me saying that, but I think we've whiffed on a few, you know, of the venues and and the time of it, and you know, it just seems a little lost. Uh, and and that's my honest to god truth. I, you know, I mean, people, whatever, we're allowed to have our opinions, you know, and that's mine. Uh, and and I just think that that it's wrong to try to hurt the amateurs. And like I said, if you made the rough high and the greens firm and fast, like an open, look at Oakmont. You know, people are saying, well, they're going to kill Mary and they're going to do whatever. Who cares? Who who cares? I mean, they shot four, DJ shot four under at Oakmont and I can't remember what it was at Marion, but it wasn't ridiculous. And yep, they hit some three woods and Phil, I don't think put a driver in and who cares? Uh, they still didn't shoot 20 under. Um, so again, firm, fast and high rough, but no tour player wants to do that and they will fight like heck to do it. Um, and you know what? Listen, I love watching these guys hit it far. I wish I could do that. I can't. And so don't, don't affect my golf ball because they can. The PGA of America had a big poll out there. It was overwhelming. They didn't want to see a rollback of the ball. And so with, with all due respect to Jack, I, and I will call him Mr. Nicholas because I call him Mr. Palmer if Mr. Palmer was still with us, but, uh, he's one of the great ambassadors to the game. But time marches on. You know, I mean, why don't we see this in other sports? You know, all the other ones, we don't see, we don't see swimmers with, you know, you know, lead on them. We don't see dead baseballs. People love to see it. People love to see home runs. I don't know. That's my take. So, and I, and I understand Eric, cause I, I struggle with this question as well, but I think where I combat it from a different angle is we, we see these courses having to buy up more land, right? We're, we're seeing Augusta National having to buy up more land. They're going to have to extend 13. They're going to have to extend, you know, one of the holes on the par, uh, on the front nine as well. We're having, you know, others having to add length all the time. I mean, we're, we're probably 15 minutes from 8,000 yard golf courses and the game is so expensive now. Right. Uh, for, for most of us to be able to play on a, on a regular basis. What, how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we make it so, I mean, and maybe we have to get down to where the same tournaments are played in the same locations and it's, it's just those, you know, 30, 40 tournaments that, uh, that they play a year that, you know, are, are impacted. And, and for those people that can be members there, they, they have to pay more dues. But how do we deal with the fact that we've got, more land, which requires more maintenance and more water and all of that. That's, that's sort of where I'm stuck. Well, I mean, it's a good point. First of all, Augusta, they can afford it and, you know, they make a fortune and, and so what? That's not a normal golf course. Um, I just, I just, I'm just, listen, I, I don't care what you do to the tour guys. Do whatever you want, but what sells? What sells? People want to see. So what that Rory hit? They've played that as a par four at Bay Hill, and it's a par four, and they moved it back to a par five, and who cares? So what? He hit a pitching wedge in there. Tiger did that in, in 1997. I mean, we forget that, you know, Tiger and I think it was uh, 15 hit a pitching wedge in there, and no one was in an uproar about it then, maybe only other than Jack, but... Uh, you know, I, I I just, you know, I mean, listen, if you want to stop them from bombing it, make the rough five inches and that's it. 
let them get it and play. They and if the greens are firm and fast, the tour players, you know, they 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 will not be able to. I mean, look at what they do in every open. I mean, it's really simple. I mean, people, I've seen it for years at Oakmont. We raise the rough. And all the all the tour players would do is come in and complain about how big the rough is and how unfair it is and and how we had the chip out and we'll make it like that, you know. I mean, and so what if they hit some irons off tees? I mean, and again, do whatever you want to the tour players. They're the freaks. They're the people that can do stuff that we can't. So don't keep continuously hurting the amateurs. You know, mm-hmm. the, the USGA keeps saying, "Well, we got to protect the game. Protect it from who? It's been declining." You know, I mean, come on, wake up. Uh, I want to see a driver for an amateur that goes 400 yards. I mean, wouldn't you want to hit something that goes 400 yards? Chris, let me ask yeah. you that. Wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can do it. The turbulence can, but but we can't. And that would be like me saying, you saying to me, hey, which, uh, you know, God bless you for being a Steelers fan. But, you know, let's say I said, okay, um, I want you to run down the sidelines like Antonio Brown. I want you to look up. I want you one hand catch it. Some savage is going to hit you at 20 miles an hour. You're going to go out of bounds. You can put both feet in and, and they're going to hit you out and you're going to stand up, run back, throw the thing to the, you know, official and run back to the, to the, to the, to the huddle. Well, we can't do that. I'd love to be able to do that, but there, he's a freak of nature. He, that's why he gets paid what he gets paid. And so don't keep hurting the amateurs is my point. I, I just think that we're, you know, it's about the tour players, but there's only what a thousand tour players and how many millions we have 25 million players and you got less than probably a thousand tour players out there. And we're worried about what they do. Well, if you're worried about the thousand, then go ahead after them, but don't keep hurting the amateurs. That's my only point. You mentioned Tiger, Eric, and, and I wanted to get your, your thoughts. And we've been lamenting, you know, Tiger's comebacks over the last several years when you and I have talked. And it looks like things are going really, really well right now. Do you think it's just a matter of time until he wins again? You know, or, you know, look at his club head speeds, you know, astronomical, right? 120 plus, right? Fastest on tour right now. Is it a matter of time until he wins? Or is it a matter of time until we see the back and hips and knees start to break down again? Wow. Super question. You know, I mean, I've said this all along. I mean, this looks like a different comeback. You know, all the other ones look like sponsor relations comeback. You know, they didn't look like he was truly like committed. You know, I mean, his, uh, his short game, I truly 100% believe he had some yips in there. He had some mechanical stuff going on that he was not comfortable with. He wasn't comfortable with his schedule. He wasn't comfortable with he'd play a round or two, then he'd back out. And I mean, it, it did not look like a comeback. And this one, this one has a completely different feel. I mean, I loved his comment the other day, and this is something I've said on your show for a long time. Uh, he needs to get to play back by feel, and he needs to stop being so technical. And he said something, I'm, I'm playing more by feel, and I can feel my hands. And I thought, oh, my God, well, here's a novel idea. Our only connection to the golf club. Now, think about this. Think about this. Our only connection to the golf club, and he's telling me that's – you know, we, our feet are to the ground and our golf, our hands are to the club and he's telling me he can finally feel his hands again. Wow. I mean, that tells you everything. Um, I think it, and, and I don't want to go into this too much, but if you look at his instruction, he went from Butch Harmon, there are every picture you pull him up on the internet. 
every picture you see him, they're laughing, they're having fun. There's no mechanics in there. He's pushing his hand. He's doing something, you know. And then you go to Hank, and it looks a lot more serious, and and things look a little more mm, melancholy. I don't want to say that, but they it didn't look like it was fun. And although he still had a great winning percentage, I will give Hank that. He still had a great winning percentage with Hank. Then we go to, you know, Sean Foley, who's, you know, uh, Mr. I've been to the top of the mountain and back and I've, you know, I know the answer to everything and talks like a philosopher and, and we've got to make it really technical. And you go, well, wait a minute. Well, that doesn't fit. And, and then you look at Tiger and he wanted to stay more centered. And, you know, in 97, when Tiger won the Masters, he moved foot off the ball and you're starting to see him do it now. And then, then the, then the next smart guy comes in and Chris Como and, and it just seemed like it got so technical. I mean, if you ask, if you ask Mr. Nicholas, best player ever, and that's why I hate to disagree with him, but, um, about the ball, but you know, I mean, if you, if you, if you asked him, do you think technical stuff? I don't think he would ever think that. I mean, uh, you know, when we, you see Fred Couples, I know there's no technical thought going through his brain, and that's one of the most elegant things you'll ever see. Uh, so I think Tiger got in such a, uh, golf scientist, uh, you know, I gotta listen to all these smart guys, uh, that I think he forgot how to play the game. And he forgot how to say, hey, look over there and hit a little draw. How do you do that? Well, it's in your hands, period. That's your only connection to the golf club. And your hands are your hands and arms swing have to match what we're doing. And uh, so, I mean, I'm delighted to hear him say that. Now, uh, we saw him play a bunch of weeks in a row, and we saw hope. And everybody needs hope. The world needs hope, right? I mean, we all need hope, and we saw it. And the ratings were through the roof. Um do I think he'll win at Augusta? I don't think so. Um, I just think he's just a little bit, uh, he just seems to make a bogey on the last couple holes and just not quite the same tiger that we saw. Um, and I think there's a lot of people playing really good golf right now. And, uh, and you know what? We don't know. Uh, but this one is totally different from all those others. Those other ones were sponsor relations. This is this is a true comeback where the guy's like kind of ditching the golf scientist thing and the biomechanist, and he's saying, "I'm going to start playing golf again." And that's what we're seeing, and it's fun to watch. The ratings prove it. Everyone loves to see it. So let's just take that, uh, you know, a couple of steps further. And we've got Bob Friend hanging on the line. We're going to get Bob, yep. to Bob here in just a minute. But we've seen Tiger go through, as you mentioned, right, four coaches over the years. And now, we see, now he's doing it on his own, which, uh, you know, at this point makes sense to me, right? Get all the voices and all the different swing thoughts and all that stuff out of your head and just go play. Do you think that's the best thing he could have done for himself is to get rid of all the coaches? Well, I mean, if if you didn't go back to Butch, <clears throat> which is purely a, you know, there's a there's an ego thing there. Uh, yes, I believe that. I, I just think he got so over technical. I think he got listening to so much stuff. I mean, again, I I think Sean Foley is a magnificent instructor. Chris Como is a friend of mine. I mean, uh, but I think when you when you take a raw talent like that and you put so many mechanical thoughts and and when he says out when he says I can feel my hands again. Well, holy cow! I mean, that tells you everything. I mean, Chris, that's the answer. 
I mean, if he can't feel his hands, our only connection to the golf club, and he can't feel that, then he's way thinking the wrong way. And and I said this years ago. I would I would take him out on the range. I'd throw some balls down. And I'd say, hit a hook, hit a draw, hit a cut, hit do do whatever, hit it high, hit it low. Just fe- just feel it. You don't have to. The worst lessons I see by these young instructors is they throw track men on and they say, oh, that's four down, three left, face is open, two degrees. No one relates that. What's two degrees? You know, we don't know what two degrees is in our hand. I mean, I mean, really, I just think it got so over-technical that, you know, I mean, the golf's not – okay, I know I'm on a soapbox, but think about it. The golf's not, golf is not that technical. we got to hit it in the center of the face. we got to hit it solid, right? That's number one. Uh, number two, it has to start somewhat online, and then at three, it has to ultimately curve the way we want it. And that's path and face, you know, relationship and, and how we hit it in the center of the face. And the, and the tour players do that every time. The amateurs don't. And, uh, so it comes back to hitting it solid. And yes, you gotta start playing by some feel. You gotta ditch all these coaches that are telling you all these mechanical thoughts. I mean, for, Sean Foley to tell Tiger who used to move a foot off the ball, we got to stay centered because our vision isn't going to be the same. Well, then how in the heck did he shoot 18 under par in 1997? Tell me that at Augusta. I mean, it just doesn't add up. So speaking of Augusta, Eric, we're a week away, right, from the Masters. If you could put a dream foursome together who would be in the, the final two groups, right, on Sunday, who do you want to see be in those last two groups? Well, I mean, you know, if I run down the the top players, I mean, uh, Dustin Johnson, I, you know, I don't know where, you know, he got off to that great start and then he took some time off, so I don't know where he's going to be. Uh, Rory was hit or miss, you know, I mean, his putting at Bay Hill was absolutely magnificent. So I think it was a hundred putts. I think Justin Rose is going to be there. Um, Jordan Spieth, I think he's still a little jumpy. I think his putter isn't quite there. Um, Jason Day's a little anomaly too for me right now. It's, uh, not sure where he's been. You know, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think the final group is going to be Justin Rose. It's going to be Phil Mickelson. And I think it's going to be Justin Thomas uh, or, or John Rum. You know, I think John Rum is temper gets a little, the best of him every now and again. Um, Justin Thomas looks like he's firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, he didn't play great in the match play at the end, but you know, he's right there. He could overtake number one in the world. Henrik Stenson, you know, I mean, putter seems to be a little bulky every now and again. And, uh, and Tiger, I, I think he's going to be up there. I think he's going to contend again. I just don't know that we're going to see him you know, quite get across the line. But my last group is Rose, Mickelson, and Justin Thomas. <laughs> That's what I think. One more, Eric, before we let you go. And you're speaking of Jordan Spieth. How does he conquer the 12th hole? How, does, how can he go about exercising those demons, get that mental, you know, get his mental game sharp when he stands on that tee? You know, I think, I think he's such a strong player and I think he's got a great mind. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he'll have a problem with that. Although that one, you know, scar tissue upstairs and is a huge thing. And, and that leads into Bobby Friend and, and I've known Bobby for years and, and I really think that Bobby's got the most out of his talent level that anyone ever has in the history of the PGA Tour. And that is a, absolute compliment that is not with disrespect i i think that you know his mental perspective 
is, you know, I mean, I'm going to borrow his phrase, but I think he's tougher than a nickel steak. I mean, he really is. Uh, I mean, he just, he thought he was better. And I think that came from his dad, you know, great, you know, pirate pitcher and world champion in 1960. I mean, uh, and, 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 I, and when you watch, when you watch the great players play the game, uh, you know, there's a lot of five cent brains out there, and then there's the ones that are tougher than the nickel steak. And I think that's the, that you're talking about guys like Bob Friend, and I think Jordan Spieth would would be similar to that. I I just think that you know they 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 erase the history. You know, the people that are a little fragile, and maybe in my career that's maybe what I was. Maybe I was a little fragile. Someone moved, someone did something, whatever. I'm gonna hit a bad shot because someone was moving around. The, the greats don't think that way. They're just they're they're kind of bulletproof minds, and you don't become Jordan Spieth without being able to say, "Hey, I'm going to rinse that off my memory bank." And and if you don't rinse it out of your memory bank, you're not going to have a long career because we all make mistakes. We hit bad shots at inter-opportunity times, and and uh, and and that's what I would say on that. I think I think Jordan's going to be fine. He'll probably roll around in bed at night, but I think at the end of the day, he he's comfortable enough with who he is to do that. Although he does look awfully jumpy to me as a player, he just looks. You know, if I were his coach, I'd kind of do some of what you know they've done with Tiger a little bit and just say, just go play. You know, I mean, stop thinking about it so much. He just looks jumpy to me, and that's why he especially looks jumpy with a putter, which I don't understand because he's one of the best I've ever seen. But, uh, but here's hoping you know for a good week for him. Eric, you know I love your website, ericjohnsongolf.com. Remind our listeners about it and how they can uh, and all the different things that they're going to find when they go on your site. Yeah, well, thanks. It's ericjohnsongolf.com. I on Twitter, ericjohnsongolf, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, nemacolongolf.com. You can see a lot of stuff of what we're doing there. Uh, Nemacolon's been a phenomenal place for me. It's been it's been great. It's uh, I've got the opportunity to make the best technology anywhere around uh anywhere in the tri-state section and uh we do offer bang up club fittings i mean we do we offer a tour level club fitting you know from wedges to putters to we build it on site and it's uh it's been a phenomenal thing for me oakmont was great and i i i certainly enjoyed it and uh and miss it but uh I, i'm having a time of my life up here on the mountain and uh you got to come see us at nemical and it's a special place Eric, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back on the show. It's always so much fun for me to get to spend some time with you. Thank you for being here. Look forward to the next time already. So uh, you're the best, my friend. You tell that piece of garbage, my friend, Bob Friend, that I send my best. And he is, uh, you know, you'll you'll love him too. Chris, I can't thank you enough. And all the best of the armed forces, uh, they keep us safe. And, you know, they're the reason why we're able to sit here and talk about golf and Anyone that threatens the United States of America needs to meet their creator, and uh, they'll meet it through one of our great men and women in armed forces. But thanks, Chris. I can't, I cannot thank you enough for for letting me come on here and talk with you. I appreciate you, Eric. I look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. And between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Thanks, buddy. See you. I see. You. That's Eric Johnson again. EricJohnsonGolf.com. Uh, great stuff on there. He's got a lot of great lessons. It's uh, it's fantastic. I go on there all the time for my short game in particular. And as uh, as you heard, he's being featured in Golf Magazine this month and next. So uh, go check it out. I've got my next guest, Bob Friend, hanging on the line. Want to get to Bob on the other side of this quick station break? 
Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors join us every week here on Next on the Tee. Be sure to check out our guest schedule and all our podcast episodes on our website at nextonthetee.net. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me and making his 10th appearance on the French Lick Resort guest line is another one of my all-time favorite guests, and that's Bob Friend Jr. Let me remind you about Bob's background. He is from my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Played his college golf at LSU, where he, David Toms, and the rest of their LSU teammates won the 1986 SEC Championship. He had 11 career top 10 finishes while he was there at LSU. He won the Pennsylvania State Championship in back-to-back years in 1984 and 85, and he turned pro in 1987. He's played on the nationwide PGA and Champions Tours since 1990. He had five top ten finishes his rookie year on what was what's now the Web.com Tour, and uh, including a second place finish at the El Paso Open. Got his first win at the 1991 Fort Wayne Open. He had five top ten finishes in 1994, three more in 97. In all, he's finished in the top ten 27 times. Baseball fans like Eric mentioned will remember his father, Bob Friend Sr., who pitched in the major leagues from 1951 to 1966, mostly with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and was a key member of their 1960 World Championship team that beat the Yankees on Bill Mazeroski's home run in the bottom of the ninth in Game 7. And I am thrilled that Bob is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bob, how are you, my friend? Chris, I am doing great. Again, thank you so much for all those accolades and your great memory, and uh, it's always great to speak with you. So, Bob, first of all, let's start. How's your, how's your father doing? He's hilarious. He's, uh, he's 87. Uh, I had uh, lunch with him the other day. He's in great shape physically and mentally. He and my mother, uh, who's 82, just celebrated their uh, 60th wedding anniversary in September, and he's been driving her bananas for 60 years. <laughs> God bless him. So, yeah, so Bob, beautiful. catch us up. What's been... What's been going on so far this year? What are your plans for the uh, for the 2018 golf season? Well, I really have kind of tra- transitioned a little bit, Chris. I've got uh, I got involved in real estate with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services in Pittsburgh. I got my real estate license in December of 2016, and last year uh, I just played one event on the Champions Tour. I played the Dick Sporting Goods Open up in Endicott, New York, and uh, I played mostly in the section, and I played very well in the tri-state section. Uh, I won the Senior Professional Championship uh, at Indiana Country Club. I shot 67-69. I won by three. And then uh, earlier in the year, I shot 64 at Allegheny Country Club over near Sewickley, and I won that event. So all told, uh, I made just under $18,000 playing in the tri-state section. And uh, right now, it's just as, as Eric has probably alluded, uh, the weather's been awful here. We got uh, we got 10 inches of snow last Wednesday. So nobody's really doing anything, although the weather's been pretty good. Um, there's still quite a bit of snow on the ground. I mean, you get 10 inches of snow and the temperature at night is 20 degrees. It doesn't melt. So uh, right now, my first event is going to be a, a section event April 20th. I'm going to try to qualify for the U.S. Senior Open. I'm going to try to qualify for the U.S. Open and uh, just kind of take it from there. But for the most part, I'm going to basically work my rear end off in real estate and uh, I've done had a very good year in that. I'm not the leading money winner, but uh, up them for 2018, I've already sold over $3 million worth of residential real estate. So uh, just like everything else that I, I do, my golf career, uh, my real estate career, I, I give everything uh, 100%, work very hard at it. And 
you know, as Ken Venturi always alluded, the uh, the luckier, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So now that you've piqued some pe- uh, people's interest that uh, may be up in that area, you know, if they're if they're looking to buy or sell, how can they reach you? Uh, that's a great question. Well, my my uh, I'm, again, I'm with Howard Hanna Real Estate, and we are it's an interesting company. It's a family-owned company. We only operate in eight states, and we are the third largest real estate company in the United States. Um, so what they can do to find me is. Uh, send an email to me, bobfriend at howardhanna.com. And right now we're just kind of getting into the spring selling market. Uh, interest rates have gone up a little bit, but they've not gone up dramatically. And uh, right now it would be characterized as a seller's market. So if anybody is looking to list a home, uh, now is the time to do it because it is a seller's market and the inventory is very low. So, Bob, as you mentioned, right, and Eric and I were talking about this as well, to your point, you know, it's been a long, cold winter up there in yes. Pittsburgh. So for for folks, and you know, if you're going to be looking to, you know, qualify April 20th, how, how do you go about knocking the rust off the swing, right? It's been, you, you've been probably dormant a lot. The folks up in that area have been dormant a lot because of the cold. Now that we're starting to, you know, hopefully start to see some warmer temperatures, how do we get the rust off our swings? Well, the number one thing you got to remember is this, is that I don't care if you're, if you're Tiger Woods or a bear in the woods, basically your golf swing is not going to change that much. It's very, very hard to change swing plane, to change club face angle, uh, to change the width of your stance, all this sort of stuff. It's very, very difficult to make a dramatic change in your golf swing. So my advice to every single amateur is that if you have, let's say that you've got two hours a week to practice a game of golf, that excludes playing. If you have two hours a week to practice a game of golf, and you want to get that handicap driven down as low as possible, of the two hours, spend an hour and 30 minutes on your short game. Work on your pitching, work on your bunker play, work on your chipping, and work on your putting. Because basically, your golf swing is not going to change much from day to day, year to year, unless you're you're sitting there and you're doing a lot of video, you know exactly what you're doing, and you've got a very good game plan in order to do so. So what I'm going to do, Chris, is what I advise everybody else to do, which is spend the vast majority of your time on your short game. That's the thing that's going to get you to lower scores faster than anything else. Bob, I want to take you back to 1999. I saw you posted a picture of you at the 99 Arnold Palmer Invitational. In the first two rounds, you were paired with Seve Ballesteros and Mr. Palmer. What was it like, first of all, when you got word that you were going to get paired with them and then being a part of the tournament, you know, going out and playing those two rounds with those two guys. Well, the first thing was that I played my practice round on Tuesday with Paul Azinger. Paul and I were both working with John Redman at the time. And I'll get into the kind of teaching, listen a little bit what Eric said regarding teaching and teachers and, and all these so-called gurus. So I played my Tuesday practice round with Zinger. We played early in the morning. Redman came around. He watched us play all, all morning long. We got in, we went into the players' dining area, and they've got the uh, the tea times are out and on the tables. Zinger grabs one, and I'm looking, I can't find and he goes, holy shit. He says, you've got the King and Seve. I said, what? He says, yeah. He says, you're playing with Palmer and Ballesteros the first two days. So I played, I played a practice round with Arnold in the 1994 U.S. Open at Oakmont on Monday, uh, but I never obviously played with him in competition. And, uh, it was just, it was one of the great memories of a lifetime. I mean, you sit there and you take a look. Um, you know, I had a, I had an okay career. I mean, I played five years on the PGA tour, 17 all told and nine on what's called the web.com tour. 
didn't set the world on fire, but it's amazing the the quality and the name players that I got the opportunity to play with during my career. And uh, obviously to have the opportunity to play with Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill was extraordinary, um, but also to play with Seve because he wasn't playing golf much at the time and uh, really was kind of like in the down, downturn of his career. And that's a guy that I never in, a, in my wildest dreams would have ever thought that I would have played with. And uh, it was an absolute thrill. We played 36 holes together. They both missed the cut. I actually made the cut. I think I shot 289 for the week, and uh, which was one over par. And, you know, I, I always struggled at Bay Hill. And it wasn't so much the length of the golf course, but it was real, I had a lot of difficulty reading those greens. And um, I just never made a lot of putts there. But it was a memorable experience after each day, after Thursday and Friday. Uh, Mr. Palmer invited me into the locker room. We each shared a Rolling Rock beer after we were done playing. And, uh, you know, the thing that I know that I took most from Arnold, aside from the fact, you know, that the guy is, he was so gracious with his, with his handshakes and his winks and his smiles and his autograph. But Arnold Palmer, um, hit every single shot at every single hole location, no matter what the club, and no matter where the hole was located. And after 36 holes, I asked him, I, we, we had our, we had our beer there in the afternoon on Friday. And I asked him about it and just said, you know, he just said, I don't know any other way to play. He said, I have always aimed at every single flagstick, no matter where it was. He said, I could never get myself to aim away from it. He said, I won a lot of golf tournaments playing that way. He said, but I lost a few majors playing that way. He said, in the end of the day, he said it was a hell of a career. And he said, I wouldn't change a thing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that people forget about Arnold, because we talk so much about the man and the king and how he changed the game of golf and, and he, he basically brought it to the masses. Arnold Palmer won 62 times on the PGA Tour, 62 times. I mean, think about, think about how massive that number is. And a lot of people, when I go and I take a look at it, when I hear people talking about Arnold, I think his extraordinary career, his actual stats, kind of get lost in the fact that this is one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. The guy won, the guy won what? He won seven major championships and 62 PGA Tour events. It's an outstanding career. Bob, I want to take you a couple of years later. The third round of the 2003 Wichita Open, you shoot 63. Your career low round out on tour yes. and it helped you finish tied for 10th that week. Was, th was that a day when everything just sort of fell into place? What do you remember about shooting 63 in that round? Well, it's not so much, it's not so much that particular round. I've shot 63 a number of times, uh, PGA tour events, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that when, what amateurs have to understand is that when you're going, you're watching a guy really light it up with a 63. I, my, my, my greatest 63 was a 63 I shot round six PGA tour qualifying back in 97 to get my PGA tour card back on the number, which to this day is still the lowest round ever recorded to get your card back on the number. Um, what the amateurs have to understand is that look in the 63s that I've shot in Wichita was a great low golf course. Wind blew like hell. I played great that day. And, and the key is, especially when you're playing in the wind or really anywhere is controlling your trajectory. Um, you know, Wichita is one of those places where the wind blows like hell every single day. You're looking at a 20 mile an hour wind every single day and you really have to control your trajectory. But the one thing I remember about that round is that really I only hit about three shots that I thought were exactly the way that I pictured them. Everything else was straight misses. And, you know, when you're going and you're playing rounds like that, and I can honestly tell you the lowest rounds, the best rounds that I've ever played, at the end of the round, I could not remember what I did on each hole. 
because I was so much into the present tense and into the process of each shot. I always had trouble, my really low rounds, my really great rounds, was remembering the hole-by-hole -hole scores, and I, at the end of the day, I really had no idea what I shot at the, at, at the end of that round. My caddy was in the scoring tent with me, and I had a lot of trouble remembering the hole-by-hole -hole scores because I was so focused on each individual shot as a game unto itself, which is really how you have to play. And that's why a lot of amateurs, you know, they'll go and you'll, you'll talk to a guy. He might be a, a 15 handicap and he shoots one over par on the front nine, shoots 37. And he's thinking, Oh my gosh, I've got the lowest round of my career coming. And he shoots 50 on the back nine because he gets out of the present tense. He gets ahead of himself and he starts thinking about how important it would be, how great it would be to shoot this. And next thing you know, the pressure starts building, building, building. And he, at the end of the day, he completely loses his focus on the task at hand. And so when you go and you take a look at the great players that shoot the 59s and the 60s and the 61s, they're doing a great job of staying in the present tense and not getting ahead of themselves. And really, it's about controlling your thoughts in between, in between shots. You know, a lot of people talk about Ben Hogan. Oh, he concentrated for four hours straight and his, it was like a, his, his mind was like a steel trap. Nobody has any idea what Ben Hogan thought about in between shots. I know for me and the vast majority of guys on tour, in between shots, we're talking to our caddies. Uh, you know, we're looking at pretty girls in the gallery. We're talking about sports. We're talking about politics, the weather, the schedule, family, this, that, and the other. And then as soon as that staff bag is set down next to the golf ball, that's when you start drawing your focus in. And you only need your focus for 45 seconds at a time. And if you do it that way, by the end of the round, you're very, very relaxed in the round. When you go in the smoke is clear, you're like, holy cow, I just shot 62. Or, you know, for an amateur, oh my gosh, I just broke 80 for the first time. It's very, very important to monitor your thoughts in between shots and be very organized in your thinking. Bob, we'll, we'll go back uh, just a couple of years now. You, you finished tie for low club professional at the Senior PGA Championship in 2014. You, go, you look back at that round, and what an, you know, what an accomplishment and, and, and that you had that, that week. And, and i got to imagine, doing something like that has got to do a world for your confidence, if for nothing else, reinforcing that you belong out there playing with the best players on the Champions Tour. But talk about you know, coming in as low club professional at the Senior PGA. Well, it was, it was a really special week. I had qualified actually through the money list on the Champions Tour. I had, I had played a number of events. I'd played pretty well, not great, but well enough to where my number in terms of the money that I had made was going to be very, very close to getting into the senior PGA in Benton Harbor. And uh, next thing I know, I got the phone call on Monday afternoon, late afternoon, that I had gotten into the tournament. So I was very, very excited. Went out there and played and practiced and uh, worked my rear end off. Uh, but I played very, very well that week. And I actually tied Craig Thomas, uh, from upstate, from, from Long Island for senior, uh, for low club professional, the senior PGA. And it was one of those things where I actually, you know, you, you talk about, uh, when you go and you play certain holes, certain holes either fit your eye or they don't. And the 18th hole there, um, for me, I don't fade the ball well. And so I, you know, what that hole is, the hole kind of, uh, it kind of bleeds a little bit to the right and there's a lot of trouble on the right. And there's a, there's a, uh, there's a bunker on the left at about 265 yards out. And the real play is to hit the ball at the bunker from left to right and peel it back into the fray. Well, I have a hard time doing that. So I got up there and hit this block, falling into the marsh. I ended up playing it out of there. At the end of the day, I ended up making a double bogey six 
And and as I came off the 18th hole, my 72nd hole, I had a little bit of smoke coming out of my ears. As anybody, nobody likes to finish like that. And then so I go into the scoring tent, and I'm filling out my scorecard. A young lady from the PG of America comes up to me. She says, congratulations. And I, at that time, that is the last thing I want to hear. But she said, no, she said, congratulations. that You just finished tied for low club professional. I said, oh, that's, that's fantastic. And so the great thing was is that uh, I was honored on the 18th green. Monty won that year. Uh, I was on, honored on the 18th green along with Craig Thomas. And then after the ceremony on 18, we were all ushered into the volunteer tent where basically the, the, the chairman and chief executive officer at the time of, of Whirlpool KitchenAid, Jeffrey Fettig, uh, basically recognizes all the volunteers. And he brought Craig and myself up. And the nice thing is, is that, uh, the champion of the senior PGA champion gets a, gets a kitchen, gets a KitchenAid kitchen. Well, Jeff Fettig was up there at the microphone and he brought Craig and I up and he introduced us and he asked us a little bit about the round. He said, you know, guys, it's such great playing. He said, I'm going to award each of you a KitchenAid kitchen of your choice. So it was a magical week. The weather was fantastic. The golf course was a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I was a low club professional. And again, it's one of those things where, you make a little bit of money, but, but but you also, nobody will take that away from you. And I still have the crystal in my house, and uh, it's they're prominent on my uh, on my mantle in my house. Very, very honored for that. Bob, before we let you go, remind our listeners about, you know, all the things that you're doing now. You talked about, you know, the, the real estate piece. Remind them again how they can get in touch with you, follow you, whether it's online or over social media. Yeah, it's, uh, I have a Twitter account and my Twitter account is basically golf. Um, it's Bob Friend, uh, uh, let me see, Bob Friend Golf at Twitter and the, uh, and on Howard Hanna with, uh, I've got my own website, bobfriend.com, Howard Hanna and then, uh, bobfriend at howardhanna.com. And so, uh, you know, I get on there, I get on, uh, Twitter a little bit and throw a couple of pearls out there. For the most part though, you know, I, I enjoy watching it. I played, uh, you know, probably about 14 or 15 Champions Tour events over the last couple of years and uh, still know a lot of the guys out there playing. And I, I still follow the golf and still follow a lot of the guys in the Champions Tour and still great friends with a lot of them. My buddy David Toms is having a very nice year thus far. He's going to win one pretty soon. It's nice to see Sam Burns, the old LSU Tiger, tearing him up out there. Rookie year, PGA Tour, playing on conditional status out there and also on the Web.com Tour. So uh, I follow the game. I throw some pearls of wisdom out there. But still love the game, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, my days right now are pr- primarily playing in the section. I, I play well. I still work hard on my game. I do a little bit of teaching on a, on a select basis. And, um, you know, as always, just like Eric Johnson said, which I heard Eric's comments, and the comments are well taken. I would much rather be known as a guy that got a lot out of his talent than a guy that wasted his talent. Um, you know, I, 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 I pride myself on being mentally tough. I listen to what he talked about with Jordan Spieth at the end of the day. Jordan Spieth is extraordinarily, extraordinarily mentally hard. He won't even know what happened on number 12 several years ago. And, uh, he's going to be just fine. And, um, you know, I just, I love watching the game, love listening to you, Chris. And, uh, like Eric, I can't thank the men and women in our armed services all over the world protecting our freedoms and our liberties. And, uh, God bless to all of them and God bless to you, Chris. Nah, I appreciate you, Bob. Take care, my friend. I hope uh, we get the honor of having you back on the show again real soon. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. God bless, Chris. And get to Pittsburgh, brother. Give me a shout. I appreciate you, Bob. I absolutely will do that. Take care. Be safe out there. 
Oh, See you, okay, Bob. brother. Right, bye bye. That is Bob Friend Jr. Again, uh, you check him out. Uh, you know, if you're up in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania area, West Virginia, that's uh, you're looking to buy or sell a house. You're not going to find anybody better than uh, than Bob Friend. And uh, to Eric's you know, point, and uh, as Bob mentioned a moment ago, a guy who is definitely tough as nails. And uh, I love I love having Bob on the show. He's been absolutely fantastic. Look forward to catching up with him again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Russ Holden, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors. And first, folks, you've heard me talking about Clubhub Sensors over the last several months. It is the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub's going to tell you what happened and why. Take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have Clubhub Sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the top of your grips, and I can tell you, since I put the Clubhub sensors on my clubs. I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Because not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards into the green, but after you're round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course that you just played and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot. And no other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available for Android or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed of every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack plus you get a 3d view of your swing as well and again no other rangefinder can do all of that for you go over to clubhubgolf.com to order your set of clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code next that's n-e-x-t to get 10 percent off on all products at checkout again clubhubgolf.com enter the coupon code next and you're going to get the best gps and swing analysis tool on the market at a great low price and you're going to see your game in a whole new way also want to remind you about our friends over at power bar Energy and focus on the course are essential, whether you're playing out on tour in your club championship or just your weekend four ball with your buddies. Par Bar, the golfer's nutritional bar, can help you with both energy and focus. Eat some before going to the first tee and the rest every three holes until you're finished, and you're going to play with more energy and focus to win. Par Bar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com and order yours today. And as you know, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGASuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Russ Holden. Russ is the founder and CEO of a wonderful cause, a cause called Caddy for a Cure, which you hear me talking about every single week here at the top of the show. Russ is also a Class A PGA professional and was the head golf professional at Woodfield Country Club in Boca Raton, Florida. It was there that he met Bernard Longer and became his caddy intermittently from 1991 to 2006. Russ also served as caddy captain for the 2004 European Ryder Cup team. Going back to his college days, he played golf at Malone University and was an NAIA All-American back in 1980. He was named All-Mid-Ohio Conference in 1980 and 81. He was also the Mid-Ohio Conference MVP in 1981, and he was inducted into the Malone University Hall of Fame back in 1994, and he's become a wonderful friend of the show, and I'm thrilled that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Russ, thanks for coming back on the show. 
Hey, good evening, Chris. It is uh, marvelous to be back with you, uh, as always, and uh, welcome to all your listeners all around the world as well. Uh, please, uh, I echo Bob Friend's uh, comments there. Thank you for everyone out there serving our this great country of ours right now, and we appreciate your service. Thank you very much. So, Russ, I wanted to start off by talking about the great event that you guys have coming up during Masters Week over in Augusta. Let our listeners know what you guys have going on. Well, we've got a couple of great events coming on. Uh, a week from tonight, uh, actually on Monday, uh, April 2nd, up in Augusta, we're going to be having our second annual Caddy Bash. Uh, our friends over at Azalea Hospitality and uh, Under Armour Eyewear, along with Prime Sport, are putting on a, a wonderful evening. We're going to have a bunch of the caddies that are working at Augusta are going to be over. It is open to the public, and uh, we've got a couple of really special guests. Uh, some of you may have seen them yesterday. Ted Scott, my good friend and uh, our good friend, uh, caddying for Bubba Watson, is going to be there, uh, along with the great one, Sean Foley, uh, world-class instructor, coach to many, formerly Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, and a bunch of other great players. Uh, Sean and Ted are going to be there, and we're going to do a little uh, interview with them live uh, at the Executive Club just across the street from Magnolia Lane, just a couple of blocks away, and we're going to have food and drinks. And by the way, there's a basketball game going on that night, and we're going to have uh, TVs all over the place in this exquisite executive club, and it's going to be uh, open season for everybody there that wants to watch the uh, basketball game. It's going to be a great night. Caddy Bash. So for folks that are now interested and know they got to be there, how can they get more information about, you know, about the event, and how can they go about finding it and all that sort of thing? Absolutely. We've got uh, tickets right now at our site, caddyforacure.com, and we spell it with a Y, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E.com. Caddyforacure.com, there's links there right on the homepage, and if you want to dial in direct, just do a forward slash caddybash, C-A-D-D-Y-B-A-S-H, caddybash, and uh, all the information's there about the tickets. Uh, we are somewhat limited to a couple hundred people that night, and we're selling tickets, uh, as you can well imagine, to hear Sean and Ted and rub shoulders with a bunch of the other guys that are going to be there, uh, all working at the Augusta National. And uh, you're going to get to find out all about Caddy for a Cure that night. We're going to have some, uh, some live uh, raffles going on. We've got some incredible prizes uh, and gifts from Sean Foley and David Ledbetter and uh, Aftershocks, Under Armour, uh, just a ton of great stuff in, in a wonderful raffle. And uh, grand prize is a uh, four rounds of golf on both the Ross and the Die course from our, I know you're good friends and sponsors uh, at French Lick. So uh, there'll be a, a great prize up for grabs that night at Caddy Bash with our raffle that we'll be have going on as well. Wow, that is fantastic. That's awesome that you guys are working with uh, with French Lick as well. Good for you guys, Russ. And Russ, up for auction right now is the opportunity to caddy for Bryson DeChambeau at the RBC Heritage event next month. And, you know, plus an opportunity you got out there to, to caddy potentially for Jason Vaughn and Rory McIlroy. Talk about how folks that uh, would love to get involved with Caddy for a Cure and be the caddy for one of those guys can do that. You know, Chris, we like to call it uh, one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional sports, the opportunity to actually become part of the team for a day 
and go inside the ropes and work arm in arm, hand in hand with one of the world's best players. And uh, we've been so fortunate to be able to uh, have the approval and blessing of uh, both the PGA Tour and LPGA Tours. And uh, w- these marvelous players uh, give us their day and give us their time during the Pro-Am round and allow amateur caddies, avid golfers, to be able to come inside the ropes and, and spend the whole day with them. And as you mentioned, we got Bryson DeChambeau, who is just on a streak right now, just playing fantastic, had a great week, almost took it all uh, a few weeks ago at uh, Bay Hill. Uh, ultimate winner, Rory McIlroy, did take it at Bay Hill. He's available. He's going to be up in uh, New York, excuse me, New Jersey, uh, for the Northern Trust. Uh, Ridgewood Country Club, uh, famous old course there in Paramus, New Jersey, and uh, we'll have a bunch of other players coming up on that list uh, as time goes on. We're still early in our season right now. We've already got Ricky Fowler coming up at Charlotte. Uh, we just had uh, Adam Scott at Bay Hill. We had Billy Horschel at the Honda and many, many, many more players. And if you don't hear one of your favorite players being mentioned right now on this interview or at any time, see him on our webpage, shoot us an email or give me a call directly, and I'll be more than happy to see what I can do about finding a venue that would work for the player and seeing if that player is available and willing to do Caddy for a Cure. Pretty much all the players on the PGA Tour have been uh, – very, very kind and, and very supportive in our 15 years of running these experiences. So uh, it, it, anybody out there that wants to get on a bag and find out what it's like to be a professional tour caddy, come on out. We'd love to have you. And, Russ, as a result of all of this, you guys have given away some amazing things to support our wounded veterans. Last year it was a, a mortgage-free house. Let us know, what, what are you guys planning to do this year? Can you give us a peek under the tent? Well, you know, we just had our Liberty Mutual Invitational just a couple of months ago uh, here in South Florida, and we were so humbled and honored. We had a, a brilliant evening on Sunday night. We brought in Nashville recording artist J.T. Hodges, and uh, his, he and his band came in, and we had a, a great party that night. We were honored to have uh, the presence of Congressman Brian Mast from our Florida's 18th district, and we had the uh, the fourth best woman golfer in the world, the number one U.S. golfer, Lexi Thompson, uh, also showed up that night. And, uh, Chris, you know, it really comes down to the heart of what we're trying to do. Uh, the fruits of our labor that night where we were able to gift a, a wounded Green Beret from Dallas, Texas, uh, Staff Sergeant Randy Nance, uh, we were able to gift him a service dog that night. And, uh, you know, a service dog uh, means so much to these men and women that have been injured severely. And uh, to be able to have that companionship and to be able to have that, uh, that animal with them. So he's uh, got a service dog now for life. Uh, and it was really a result of, of caddy experiences and golf tournaments and fundraisers like we're doing at Caddy Bash uh, and things like that. And, uh, you know, Lyndon Ortiz, our, our recipient who you were kind enough to have on the show, Lance Corporal Lyndon Ortiz, now settled very well with his young family into the house that we gave him mortgage-free last year up in Orlando, Florida, and he was actually our caddy uh, at the Honda, and uh, we continue to keep giving. We went to the people at Callaway through Birdies for the Brave, and they set him up from head to toe with uh, a full set of golf equipment, uh, and he just got those just the other day. Got a great text message from him that uh, a year ago we gifted him a house, and he said he doesn't know what he likes more, the golf clubs or the house, uh, facetiously uh, <laughs> making fun, but uh, he's a pretty happy camper. So we've been able to do some really good things, and we know of uh, two men 
that, uh, you know, that tragic statistic that's out there of 22 a day. Uh, we know of two men that came and, uh, because of, their participation in Caddy for a Cure and their introduction into the game of golf, which is, we know, as a golf professional, so therapeutic. Uh, we, we know of two men that changed their minds and uh, are still here and now actively pursuing uh, life, one life in golf and the other one a life in ministry, uh, actually working down in the depths of Mexico. So uh, we know what we're doing uh, is special. We know it's important. And uh, we're just uh, honored to be able to hold that torch, if you will, uh, to be able to to offer up caddying and the introduction to the game at the highest levels to these young men and women who serve so brilliantly and bravely. Ah, God bless you, Russ. You guys are doing such fantastic work. Russ, uh, I want to switch gears and get a couple more questions before we let you go. And like I mentioned in your intro, you've been on the bag for Bernard Longer at the Masters over at Augusta National. I'm curious, what's it like being a caddy over there? It's hard. It's uh, it's a hard walk. Uh, for those of you that have never had the, the, the great fortune of walking Augusta National, uh, it, it's very hilly. TV doesn't do it justice. Uh, I don't know what the exact elevation drops, but I know there's 60, 70 foot drops uh, from that 10, 10th tee box all the way down into the valley down there into the 10th green. But uh, it's a very difficult week. Uh, you remember that we have to fight all the same traffic that all the patrons do that week. And, uh, you know, you want to get there early and do all your homework and uh, get your t-sheets ready and walk the golf course and uh, it's just demanding it just takes everything out of you uh, being in a major uh, I remember in 2004 uh, we went to the uh, tee in the second to last group Phil and uh, Chris DeMarco were playing behind us and Ernie and KJ were playing in front of us and we got paired with Paul Casey and uh, you know Chris I, I it was one of the real striking moments in my golf life because I, I couldn't breathe. I, I walked from the putting green over to the first tee, just a couple of shots out of the lead on Sunday afternoon, every golfer's dream uh, to be there at the Masters. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was just scared that I was going to drop the bag or I was going to do something wrong. And uh, I, I literally had a hard time breathing. And uh, I looked over at Bernhard and, and to Bob Friend's uh, previous point, uh, Bernhard, uh, I played literally hundreds, if not thousands of rounds of golf with him. Uh, I just wondered, my goodness gracious, how is he going to hit this tee shot off this, off this hole? Line, wall to wall, both sides of the fairway, all the way down to the green, final round of the Masters. And uh, I watched him go into his pre-shot routine, and it was the same identical pre-shot routine that I'd seen literally tens of thousands of times. And, uh, you know, with that, uh, I, I looked at him and I said, you know, you bugger you, that is the same pre-shot routine as though you and I were going to go out and play for two bucks. And he literally put it on autopilot and he went out there and uh, ripped that first tee shot right down the middle. And uh, it, it was something that I really took away of how critically important it is to be able to develop a good pre-shot routine and when the stakes are at, at its highest, to be able to go ahead and transition into that and just uh, rely on something that uh, you've done so many times and, and, and works for you. And we know that he's won there twice, right? And he was in the next to last group 
on Sunday back in 2015. So just a couple of years ago. Right? So Russ, I'm, I'm curious, you know, whether you've talked to him or to some of the other players, what is it about those grounds that seems to conjure up the ghost of Masters Pass and lets guys like, you know, Jack Nicholas finished sixth when he was 58 in 1998. Here, here Bernard Longer is, you know, right around that same age and he's right back in the mix in the next to last group just a couple of seasons ago. Well, I, I know for a fact that uh, that the golf course there uh, is actually fairly wide open. It, it's not all that tight, but it's a golf course within a golf course, and it, it it takes an incredible amount of patience, an incredible amount of discipline, uh, an incredible amount of strategy to be able to play the right golf course and to be able to put it in the proper spots. And most importantly, to be able to shape the ball, to be able to hit the, all the shots that are needed to be hit to come into those greens and, and leave yourself in, in good positions. And I know for a fact that it just gets Bernhardt's juices flowing. Uh, Bernhardt is, is, you know, the, the common stereotype of the German analytical mind. He has that, but he also has an incredibly creative mind. Uh, you look at his signature and, and how artistic it is every time he signs with the big loops and the big circles. Bernhard loves to hit golf shots. He loves to curve the ball uh, both directions. He loves to be able to the challenge of hitting a high or hitting a low or pulling off a specific shot. There's another left-handed guy that won yesterday that has that same kind of creative flow to him. He, there's nothing uh, for Bubba to curve a, a nine iron, you know, 30, 40 feet. Uh, that famous shot that he hit on 10 in the playoff, you know, around. Augusta just brings out those creative juices uh, in people. It's not a it's not necessarily just a bombs away, you know, drive it wherever you want to and just chase it down there. You have to be able to know how to play the golf course and be able to put it in the right spots. And there's just something about that place that just brings out Bernhardt's absolute best. And if he puts it well, look out. I mean, I wouldn't even count him out at 60 years old to uh, to make a run at it. it. It wouldn't shock me at all because I know how well he loves the place. So to that end, if you're looking at, the, the final two twosomes, right? The, the last four guys on the golf course when, when we start on Sunday of the final round, who do you think are in the last two groups? Tell you what, it would be hard not to, not to pull for Bubba. And it would be hard not to to root for Tiger. I think what Tiger has recently done over the last couple of months is phenomenal. Uh, he, he's, he's shocked me. Uh, I, I didn't think, uh, you know, as much as I would love, I love what's going on right now. And as much as, uh, you know, we'd love to all have Tiger back as we're all experiencing right now. I, for some reason, on a cynical side, I, I just really wondered as the rest of the golf world did, can he, can he come back to the level that he was? And I actually thought no. And I'm, I'm stunned, pleasantly stunned and pleasantly surprised that he's in there. Um, I, I think another dark horse would be Paul Casey. Uh, we played with Paul Casey, as I mentioned that round in 2004. Paul's got, Paul's the, the, the whole deal. Uh, he's got everything. He's got the length. He's got the, the patience. Uh, he knows it, the golf course very, very well now. And, uh, Paul Casey would also be, uh, a guy. And, and there's a guy that I just, uh, I just don't 
know when all of a sudden this is going to become a household name, but watch out for the young man from Belgium, Thomas Peters. Uh, I think he's the real deal. He's got uh, a complete game, and uh, he's been a star in Europe now, and, and it's only a matter of time until he breaks through, and I, I think you might be seeing a new Rory or a new Jordan or somebody like that if Thomas Peters uh, gets his game in gear uh, the way I think he's really capable of playing. Russ, for our wounded veterans out there, people who know a wounded veteran who could really benefit from what you're doing, how can they get in touch with you and get involved with Caddy for a Cure? Absolutely. We'd be uh, we'd be honored to have you. Uh, just uh, reach out to me, Russ, at caddyforacure.com. Uh, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Give me your bio uh, uh, and, and, and send along. Uh, and we'll start a conversation and see where you live and, and where you're at and what venues you might be available uh, to caddy at. And, uh, you know, if everything works out, we'll definitely find a spot for you and, uh, and, and put you on a bag somewhere. Uh, you know, we're, it, it's so cool to have uh, – we had young Sergeant Manny Cologne last week caddying for Adam Scott. We had a couple of guests out from Alberta, Canada came down to caddy uh, for Adam and uh, you know here, here here's a young man getting to caddy for for Adam Scott my goodness gracious Masters champion one of the greatest swings in the history of the game and uh, we're always stunned that I'm not sure who was more impressed was Adam more impressed and delving into uh, Manny's story and, and his 20 years of service to the United States Army and his injuries and the scope of things that he's dealing with or was it Manny trying to find out what it's like to win the Masters and and play at Bay Hill and see some unbelievable golf shots. So uh, it's kind of a win-win all the way around. I know the players really enjoy it, and uh, I, I know our I know our wounded service members also enjoy it pretty much as well. Russ, can't thank you enough for coming back and be a part of being a part of the show again tonight. Uh, I always enjoy getting to listen to your stories and and moreover the great things that you guys are doing over at Caddy for a Cure. God bless you guys for all the things that you do for our wounded service veterans and uh, and the things that uh, that you do to help them not just to have the day of their life when they're out caddying, but uh, like I say, some of the things that you're able to gift them and make their lives better away from uh, away from golf as well. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Chris. Hey, one uh, one quick thing I uh, forgot to mention about our, our thing at Augusta, if I can have uh, just one more thing. We've got a sure. chance for all of our listeners to win $25,000. We have a little Augusta contest, and you just put me on the spot and asked me who I thought was going to be in those uh, those last four spots. Uh, we've got a game going on right now on our site. Uh, if you can pick the five uh, places in order, first through fifth of Sunday's final round uh, for a very small donation of $10, you can actually win $25,000. And we've got some great other prizes in case you don't get them all right, uh, but come close. We've got some great prizes from Under Armour and their eyewear division, as well as a new sponsor that we have, Aftershocks, uh, bone conduction headphones that are just absolutely superb. And uh, they both stepped up and given us some stuff. But it's right there at the top of our website, caddyforacure.com. We'd appreciate uh, anybody that uh, thinks they know uh, better than, than anybody else uh, who is going to hold that green jacket on Sunday, as well as a bunch of guys that are going to be in the mix. Uh, hey, take a shot at it, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. There you go. Fantastic stuff as always, Russ. Again, thank you for your time tonight. We are honored to be partnering with you and Caddy for a Cure. It's a, it's a wonderful organization doing great things. Thanks for your time coming back and sharing more of your stories with us. Like I say, already looking forward to the next time we get to have you back. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Chris. God bless you. Thanks. All right. Take care, Russ.
That's Russ Holden. And again, Caddy for a Cure, right? You hear us talking about it every single week here on the show, and it's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E. So caddyforacure.com. Go on there, and uh, again, Bryson DeChambeau is up for auction. Go go uh, bid to be his caddy. And then uh, great contest, you know. Hey, top five, you never know, right? Could win you 25000 all right, folks, before we close up shop, like we always do, we want to hear a word from our good friend Jim Estes and about the great work that they're doing over at the Salute Military Golf Association. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yes, indeed, folks. Jim and his team are doing amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find information and to get involved, go online to smga.org. All right, my friends, it is time to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks to Eric Johnson, Bob Friend Jr., and Russ Holden for joining me tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Three of my very favorite guests tonight, so I had a great time. I hope you did, too. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, and, and share your thoughts, your feedbacks, comments. If you've got a question for one of our future guests or uh, you've got one for someone who's already been on the show, please let me know. Give me a comment in there. I'd be glad to get the, those uh, questions answered for you. You can see who some of our future guests are going to be by going online to our website next on the t.net please also check out our sister show on the football side thursday night tailgate with me and my co-host bob lazari and our announcer joe lajanusa that show airs live every thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m eastern time you can stream it live on blog talk radio that show like this one is also available as a free podcast over on podbean and iHeartRadio. And, and we can't thank the great folks over at podbean enough for featuring both shows you can find thursday night tailgate featured right there in their fan, uh, their football fans section, and uh, next on the T right there on their mobile app. So great, great podcast over on Podbean across all genres, not just sports. If you love listening to podcasts, you got to download the Podbean app and check it out. They've got so many great uh, podcasts. Like I say, for every genre that you can think of, you're going to find a show that you're going to want to stream over there on Podbean. And uh, like I say, over on Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories about their playing day and giving us insights into what's going on around the NFL today. Plus, we highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. And again, this one, next on the T.net. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Instructors.
remember 